3: Welcome to another episode of Turnbuckle Talk in partnership with the Chairshot.com. presented by the Hitting the Marks Podcast Network and in association with NDPW.com. Turnbuckle Talk is sponsored by CollarAndElbowBrand.com, where you get 10% off when using promo code JKPODCAST. Turnbuckle Talk is also partnered with Phoenix at FNXFit.com, where you get 15% off all your health supplements simply by using promo code tbtalkpod. Follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching at tbtalkpod. Listen on Podbeam, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere you catch your favorite programs. And now, pro wrestling fanatics, are you ready? Here are your hosts, Big Joe and Carl Carafel.
4: All right, guys, Big Joe back here on Turnbuckle Talk. Episode 190 here, guys. We are 10 episodes away from 200 episodes. Pretty uh, crazy. There were a couple things before we get started here. If you'll notice... uh my partner in crime, my brother Carl Careful, is uh, still uh, out of action for a little while, uh, dealing with some uh, some personal matters. And I also wanted to uh, make note as well. Uh, you heard him in our intro, Mr. Richard Bronson Vickery. Uh, his uh, grandfather Russell passing away uh, yesterday, so thoughts our thoughts go to our friend, Mr. Richard Bronson Vickery as well. We're thinking about you, brother, and uh, you're due to be on Turbuckle Talk soon too. So we'll be getting a hold of you soon, and we're going to definitely have you back on the program. As usual, I am blessed to be part of the HDM Podcast Network, and I know so many great guys that I can uh, fall back onto. It's uh, pretty incredible when I think about it uh, from where I started from. To my immediate right, I guess it would be, Mr. Michael Jargo from the Destino, a New Japan Wrestling Podcast. Welcome back to Turmuckle Talk, sir.
2: Konnichiwa. Yeah, yeah. It, it's nice to be back here. I, I wish my other favorite Canuck was here, but mm-hmm. you know. Carl's got to take care of business, so yes. instead, I've got my vape. I've got it handy just in case. You know, the show <laughs> needs more vaping.
4: Absolutely. And to my right underneath me, from Sportskeeda, Mister Ryan K. Bowman. It feels weird saying Sportskeeda. I'm used to saying the grill position, but I'm, I'm I'm getting there.
5: It's all about evolution, my friend. <laughs> and, you know, I feel very underdressed. I'm wearing a sweatshirt and a cap, and Jargo's got on a, a tie. Yeah. I, I'm, I feel like I kind of feel like the outcast. I'm down yeah. here in the basement. <laughs> on this video feed. It's, you know, I don't know what to do, but Hey, I'm, I'm glad to be hanging with you heavy hitters.
4: Just a a quick uh, note on uh, the episode. Uh, We're usually doing this on Monday. Uh, So we're doing this on a Sunday. And we're going to be missing talking about a little WWE stuff. So I thought we'd just touch on it briefly. Uh, I know Jargo and I don't really watch or really talk about WWE all that much. But uh, kind of just uh, before we get into the bulk of our discussion here, Ryan, uh, what is going on tonight with the the WWE?
5: Well, I think obviously the big story with Hell uh, Hell in a Cell, I always say that wrong. Um, mm-hmm. is the Roman Reigns story uh, with Jey Uso. Yep. Obviously, um, one of the other big storylines is Sasha and Bayley. Um, it's it's become, and I, I, I'm i one of the people who believes that Hell in a Cell has been overdone mm-hmm. at this point. It, I, I have always yep. thought that you should have saved that for a huge blow-off match and not make it a yearly pay-per-view. But at the same time, um, you know, there's a lot to criticize about WWE, but having been forced to watch the product a lot in the last few weeks because I'm I'm doing the the reviews now. Yes. Um, there's also a few things that I, I've really started to enjoy. I think the Roman storyline, um, obviously I don't think that Jey Uso is going to win the match tonight, um, but at the same time, I think it's going to be interesting to see how all of it shakes out. I think the Sasha and Daily storyline is intriguing. I think they've got a few things going into this pay-per-view tonight that, knock on wood, turn out to be something positive for WWE.
4: Well, I'm hoping that that Jay can at least do something significant there. I've always been a, a fan of the Usos. I think that, you know, despite being in the WWE, I think that they're. Probably one of the best tag teams in the world, it just so happens that they happen to be in WWE. But I mean, you know, fingers crossed that someday maybe they can venture away, you know, and maybe even join New Japan Pro Wrestling, maybe uh, be a part of tag uh, the, uh, Tag League or something like that. I think that would be uh, pretty awesome or to maybe do some time over in Ring of Honor and maybe have a match with the Briscoes. I mean, uh, they're absolutely fantastic tag team. It's just kind of unfortunate they've been kind of shackled in a really, really weak tag team division over in the WWE.
5: Before Jargo takes it, I have to say the idea of the Usos wrestling in New Japan just makes my mouth water. Right. The fact that they could go over there and do things that they would essentially have the shackles taken off and they could do some things that they're not allowed to do right now in WWE. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Go I ahead, guess Jargo. The
2: question is why would they do that? Mm-hmm. I mean, being a part of the Samoan dynasty, the history with Vince McMahon, the history with the WWE. I, I don't see the Usos going anywhere, ever. I mean, yeah. I, I think that that's just how things are going to work out. I, I, and eventually, I absolutely expect Jacob Fatu to join them hmm. inside of the WWE, unfortunately, something. as much as I like Jacob Fatu. Uh, the, the, the one I want to concentrate on is Sasha and Bayley. Okay. Because now, granted, by my own accord, I have not been watching WWE programming, but I keep up with the booking. I keep up with what's going on. And I, my problem is... Hell in a cell should be the blow off of all blow offs. Yeah, and this is the beginning of the feud. Like, and my my larger problem is just the way that this has been presented. You have Sasha, who is just as unlikable of a person as you can possibly get, <laughs> playing alongside of Bailey, who also has zero redeemable qualities. Bailey turns on Sasha and that's supposed to make me like sasha banks no she's still an unlikable person it's just now the two unlikable people don't like each other either Mm -hmm. i just i i don't understand the psychology of this booking of putting them inside of hell in a cell it just doesn't make any sense and to kind of piggyback off ryan what he was saying with hell in a cell should not be a pay-per-view I feel the same way about Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank is a Mm -hmm. match, and it should be a match at a marquee event, be it SummerSlam, WrestleMania. Hell in the Cell is the same way. You should only do Hell in a Cell when you have a feud that calls for a Hell in a Cell.
4: Because then it it loses its, it doesn't have that allure, doesn't have that special feel to it. If if it happens, you know, like clockwork every single year, it's like, well, we're getting to this time of year, well, we gotta do Hell in a Cell, or we gotta do Elimination Chamber, oh, we gotta just you know... It's like,
2: if you start with Hell in a Cell, where does the feud go from there?
4: Right, that should be what kind of brings it all to... it's the climax is your crescendo to the whole storyline, but, but then, yeah, I, I definitely understand what you're saying there. And uh, yeah, just using it too often, it just, it doesn't have that special feel to it anymore and it should.
5: You know, I'd agree with that. Um, I, I always thought that, you know, the same thing about, um you know, I always hated every year when Royal rumble would roll around and all of a sudden you saw one side always had their blue shirts on mm-hmm. the other side had the red, ri- you know, and it's almost like it's contrived and it's forced and I feel like that is the same with Hell in a Cell now.
2: You mean Survivor Series with the red shirts and the mm. blue shirts. I'm, I'm sorry. I, said, I
5: meant Survivor Series. Yes. And
2: yeah. then to make that even better, let's do a draft where everybody changes shows a month beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: All right. Let us get to uh, our first uh, uh, our first real kind of topic here for this week. This is actually the one that um, when I reached out to you guys and uh, we just kind of started sparking a conversation. Is, hey, you know, we need some topics uh, for this episode, that uh, we're both gonna, I was both have you both guys on, and this was the first one that kind of came up here. I'm gonna throw up a graphic here, and we are talking about factions in professional wrestling. Um, let us uh, kind of go around the, the the table here. I'm gonna start off with with you, Jargo. What do you think about factions?
2: I need more of them. Mm-hmm. I, I love <laughs> factions. I, I I the more factions, the better. But I will say, I also define a faction as four people or more. Like, the New Day is not a faction to me. Correct. The the Freebirds were not a faction to me. They're they're, they're a trios tag team. So for the duration of this conversation, that's kind of where I want to steer it, is groups of four or more.
4: For myself, uh, with the factions, uh, I've always been a fan for for the most part. You know, there's definitely some that have been kind of a miss for me. What I always like about the factions, though, is that really kind of... Can open things up storyline wise, you know, for for people to kind of stab somebody in the back or you know unexpected things like that to happen. You don't know who's going to stick around for, for who, or you end up uh, kind of splitting into to halves so when I Just it opens up a lot of uh, storyline options where you can kind of use everybody uh, if you really know what you're doing. And uh, the the one that's up on the graphic here, Bullet Club. I mean, kind of the, the modern day NWO essentially. Uh, You know, that's kind of altered a little bit lately, but, uh, you know, I've always been a fan of of the factions, and especially the two that I just mentioned, the NWO uh, in its earlier days, and the Bullet Club, you know during those early to mid days you know, and um, you know I really started kind of getting into them when the elite were still involved with that although uh, the original bull club was a little bit of a different uh, kind of deal a bit there but uh, but yeah I've always been um, kind of a fan but uh, sometimes they can get a little bit carried away I think my only kind of real issue the the fact is when too many people kind of join into the one and then it kind of loses its its special kind of quality to it you know the nwo was particularly guilty that in wcw when just everybody became part of the nwo that's the the only show i have i
5: would disagree with jargo and on a couple of fronts i when i wrote the column last week i i defined a a clique or a faction in wrestling as three or more but i can understand four or more but i also have to correct you jargo the Freebirds actually had four or more members. You're right. At one time they did. When they had Big Daddy Dink and um they had Rocky (laughs) King as part of the group and everything else. But no, I I agree. I mean I I my my biggest take when I wrote the column was basically that at some points when you have these many factions and this many people involved in factions, not only do those groups sort of lose their identity, the people involved in those groups lose their identity as well. So while somebody like Scott Hall or Kevin Nash will always be elevated or Tully Blanchard will always be elevated because they were part of an elite group. There becomes a lot of times where an individual performer kind of gets lost in the shuffle when they're part of a group like that.
2: I can well, understand. I think, I think the biggest thing is it depends on the presentation. And and when you talk Absolutely. about presentation, yeah. then you have to get into the booking yeah. and like the way that Japan presents factions versus the way Vince McMahon may present factions are two very very clear and
5: different visions no i agree with that wholeheartedly
4: In uh, in japan uh, if i'm not mistaken i think kind of a good example of this might have been it wouldn't necessarily have been because it was part of a faction but i think it definitely affected it uh, jargo would you agree that maybe sonata uh, was kind of somebody who was kind of guilty or uh, kind of a victim of that phenomenon of, of kind of being in a faction but then was kind of getting lost in the shuffle so to speak
2: well, that's the, I, I feel like that's a Sonata problem, not a Los and but a Stejapan problem. Yeah. Um, I mean, w- when you have the leader of the company, the, the the double belt champion is leading the faction, arguably the most over guy in the company, Hiromu Takahashi yeah. is also in that faction. And then you have Shingo Takagi going mm-hmm. out and arguably making a case for MVP of the G1. Yeah. Sonata is the fourth guy in the faction. Now, I don't know if that necessarily says anything bad about Sonata. It's more so, look at the other three guys that are in front of him. Yep. I mean, it, that's just the way the LIJ has been constructed. And it's really been the rise of all of those guys at the same time. I mean, when you Evil, Sonata, Hiromu, Shingo, they've all kind of rose up together. And it's all corresponded with the Tetsuya Naito push, really, mm-hmm. since he returned from basically being Roman Reigns and booed out of the building and the chosen one of the company. And the fans were like, uh, uh, and so then (laughs) he went to Mexico and he turned heel and he came back and he was like, Hey fans, you know what? Screw you. And now he's the biggest baby face in the company.
4: Cause I'm thinking of what's kind of currently going on. And the reason why I wanted to kind of bring this up and what, what, well, kind of made me scratch my head a little bit when they decided to make Evil the one to, to kind of venture away from, from L.I.J. Uh, I think, you know, just kind of given what's going on with Sonata, that the, the, almost the better choice if you really wanted to give him some personality and to kind of step up his game is it would have had him be the one to kind of break away. Uh, I thought that that would have been maybe a little more interesting than the, the angle that they uh, decided to go with.
2: When it comes to New Japan Pro Wrestling and somebody's getting a push and somebody else is not getting a push. hmm the first thing that you need to look at is the guy getting a push. Did he come through the dojo? Mm. And is the guy not getting a push? Did he not come through the dojo? If the answer to both of those questions is yes, sometimes the simplest answer really is the answer.
5: Yeah, I'd agree with that too. And, you know, I think when on a grander scheme of things, even going beyond new Japan or, or any factions from the past, I think the bigger question is, does a guy being part of a faction help him out? And also, does it help the faction out? Does it's kind of like, like the title, isn't
2: it? Like, yeah. sometimes the faction elevates the guy, and sometimes the guy elevates the yeah. faction.
5: It's like a chicken and egg theory in a yeah. lot of ways.
4: And you going into WWE, you get stuff like... Um, you know, DX, you know, not only do I think that that, that uh, really kind of elevated the the guys, you know, you uh, then it became just a huge merch machine and a big thing to, to attract the, the fans as well. I mean, that, that just that, that stuff just blew up a as long as well as NWO, Bullet Club and that kind of stuff. It uh, yes, becomes a big thing for the fans, too, it. to latch oh. on to. And, and yeah. uh, LIJ over in Japan, oh, wow. I mean, you, when you look into wow. the crowd, you see so many people with that, that merch and they, they just they go crazy when they come out.
2: And the thing that's crazy about LIJ is it's becoming like bullet club to where it's not a new Japan thing we, we, we have Los and and CMLL, which is actually yep. where Naito brought it over from inside of ring of honor. We have Facción and Gobernable mm-hmm. um, and, and, compare that with bullet club i mean we obviously have a strong bullet club presence in aew we have one in nxt we have one on the main wwe roster there's still some in roh and now there's even some in impact <laughs> like bullet club has become much bigger than just what a faction is it's that group of guys set out and said we're gonna change the entire landscape of professional wrestling and that's really what they've done
4: hmm you know, and like you had mentioned, we see kind of elements or kind of versions of, most of it kind of permeating throughout the whole industry, right? So that, that's been something else really cool. And like I said, just in with the fans too, I mean, for maybe not quite so much these days, but I mean, for... A while there, I mean, just even you saw like non-wrestling fans wearing Bullet Club shirts or Bullet Club-esque shirts. You know, even I wear one quite often. It's a, the Turnbuckle, Turnbuckle Talk logo, which you can actually see behind me is inspired by the Bullet Club, right? So it's something that's just, it's gone past professional wrestling. it's It's gone right into popular culture now.
5: Absolutely. And, you know, the, the Bullet Club thing is just crazy to think that like stores like Gadzooks were selling out of yeah. the Bullet Club logos when half the people buying them didn't even know what it, Matt or what it stood for they just yep. thought it was a cool logo
4: yeah some pretty cool stuff there alright guys uh, we're going to venture away from that and something else I think that uh, is kind of an interesting topic here and I'm going to pull up the graphic here and we were talking about well, of course now I can't find it when I want it here uh what am i looking for here let us get where are you shout out to carl while joe's
5: looking <laughs> right he oh, usually... yeah, i just said gadzooks when i meant hot topic <laughs> like, i'm totally off this is what happens you're when just you dating know. yourself
2: brother gadzooks has yeah. been out of business for 20 years <laughs> Gad I Zooks. Like all
6: that right
4: terrible all right i got it guys here so we were talking commentary and uh whether this is another comment just kind of came up in our conversation getting ready for this episode of where we were a fan of commentary, and professional wrestling. And, uh, so I found the commentary team that I think is, uh, was, well, there, it's not really quite the same anymore, but, uh, this was one of my favorite duos uh, in the current day when it came to, when it comes to professional wrestling commentary, especially the gentleman waving there, Mr. Ian Riccoboni, I think outside of some of the larger companies, probably one of the best in the business.
5: Absolutely. I think I think not only a total gentleman and a good guy all around, but very knowledgeable. He has a legitimate sports background. Mm -hmm. He started out doing sports there in Philly before he became uh, part of Ring of Honor. And I've I've had the pleasure of getting to know him and interviewing him on a couple of occasions. Um, Just really, to me, uh, Ian embodies everything that a pro wrestling announcer should be. And I think that he's really... um, you know, when I think when Kevin Kelly left that position, a lot of people thought, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen to ROH? And Ian stepped in there and just did a great job right off the bat. And, and kudos to Kevin also for kind of guiding him along and helping him ease into that spot. I think uh, as many things as I could criticize ROH for, and I have over the last couple of years, uh, their announcing team is definitely not one of them.
4: When it comes to myself for, for commentary, it really kind of depends on. On on the company and uh, the, the the time in history as well. It's different for me. You know, you know back in the day, you know, Gorilla Monsoon Jesse uh, Ventura was probably my favorite duo. The, those two guys would jab each other, but they you know not only could they, they they take it, but they could dish it out too. And then when you go a little bit more kind of modern day, you get like a um, Corey Graves and a and a and, a, um, <laughs> and you get Renee where it was just bickering back and forth and it just didn't come off Or It just came across as two people just having hissy fits back and forth. you know. And then you get an Ian Rickabani and you get a Cole Cabana. Absolutely fantastic. Then you go over into uh, the East. We go over to Japan where the commentary's there. I'm watching. I don't even understand what they're saying. And it's just like it's something just kind of in the background where the wrestling is happening. So there's a lot of different things here. And um, when it comes current day to wrestling commentary... <sighs> It really it depends on the on the personnel, and I think Ian and uh, I think Ian probably is like I said one of the better ones at it. Uh, I thought um, you know Jr was good back in the day. I don't think he's quite the same anymore. I don't know if maybe that's just who he's surrounded by, but for me, less is more with the commentary. And I thought especially with Corey Graves and uh, Renee, they just they tried to do too much, and there's just too much. People trying to talk into their, their ear and trying to get them to, to tell things that it just it just didn't feel natural. When these two guys, and again on the graphic here, Colt and Ian, it just it felt natural, the, the commentary. And I think that's when it's at, at its best, as opposed to just kind of forcing it to happen. And that's the same with a lot of things. you know. When it comes to trying to be a, a stand-up comedian, whether it comes to being like a radio presenter, you can tell when somebody's trying to force it and it doesn't feel natural. With these guys, it always just flowed. And that's when it's at its best. Yeah, I agree. That's my that. take.
2: For me, commentary is one of the weirdest things inside of pro wrestling. It can be. I feel like there there, there's multiple different positions, right? And AEW especially has really tried to fill all of those positions. Mm -hmm. So I feel like one of the roles of your commentary team is going to be clearly your play by play, right? Secondly, you're going to have to have a narrator. You have to have somebody who is telling you about the storylines and what's going on inside of the story so that the casual viewer can understand maybe why this is happening, as opposed to just going for a cover. Mm-hmm. You need a narrator inside of the story. Ian does a great job of both. Kevin Kelly mm-hmm. does a great job of both. The WWE is awful about it. Just absolutely awful. Maro Rinaldo was a
5: great play-by-play play guy. Ready to jump in and say, if they would let Maro do his job. <laughs> If he knows how to do it, he would have been. He was a terrible
2: narrator. That's yep. the problem. They yep. had him trying to do two different roles. And now when you look at AEW, you have two completely different people doing those roles. Like you have the play-by-play guy, which is Excalibur. And then you have the narrator, which is Jim Ross. And unfortunately, I just don't feel like it works. I feel like there's this constant pull over what's happening versus what the story is. And for me, that's why the AEW commentary team is not working. It's they have great personnel. It's just the chemistry is all wrong.
4: Yeah, and there was early in the early days. I can't remember. I think it was maybe in like in their second or third month. I, mean, I can't remember if it was like a contest or something they had. And they had some random kind of guy do guest kind of commentary and just uh, it felt really really strange and i think they dumped him pretty much after one match i remember there was a meme kind of going around you know when you lie on your resume but you still get the job type of thing you know and uh, just it was was really yeah i forget now but um i remember even jr was like trying to kind of poke and prod him for stuff and it was just like he was like i don't know what i'm doing (laughs) you know so the yeah. problem well, like
2: I, Kevin Kelly has right now is the same problem me and Rick Abani has. It's it's kind of a rotating cast of who's sitting next to him. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, I, I love Caprice Coleman when he's on commentary, but yeah. sometimes he's there and sometimes he's not. And, <clears throat> and you need more regular – I mean, it's just like being in the ring. They need more reps together to develop that commentary.
5: Yeah, that's absolutely 100% true because I can tell you and when you said do more reps – when I was very young, I, I did some play by play and color commentary for a wrestling company. And you don't realize until you're polished, which I never got to that level because I, that I never stuck with it that long, but you know, until you become polished, you don't realize really what's coming out of your mouth in the heat of the moment. There were so many times I would go back and watch video or tapes and listen to myself say stuff and think that is the dumbest thing I could <laughs> possibly in that moment. Yeah. But you, you get caught up when you're not a trained voice mm-hmm. and you you, know, you start screaming like you're a fan and in that position you can't necessarily you have to be sort of like a fan like you said jargo it's a very delicate situation when you're a play-by-play guy you have to be somewhat of a fan but at the same time you still have to be professional and there are a very few guys out there right now that can balance that line
4: one of my favorite. uh Commentary things uh, recently, like I think when I actually watched this earlier today, and kind of in preparation, I hope here I was watching the uh, Global Wars uh, tour from 2018, and one of the segments that they did on there on a regular basis, and I think they did this for a little while, where it would be Ian and Colt, and then Red Titus would kind of come out. You know, he'd be all oiled up, and he would just basically just wearing just a g-string uh, essentially, and uh, just that whole dynamic between the three guys during the match, kind of going. I love when they they do that kind of stuff, and when they found an angle that worked, and they kind of stuck with it for a little while. Uh, uh, stuff like that can make commentary really fun. Uh, whereas, you know, when you try and force things, again, I use the, the Renee and uh, Corey example. When you force two people together that just don't work, it just, it really, really sounds bad. It just, it, it, it can really hurt things. And uh, if, it affects what kind of what's going on in the ring, too, because especially if you're at home, you're watching this while you're hearing them talk. You know, at least if you're there in person, you're, you don't have to hear, listen to them talk. So, well, and the problem yeah.
2: in WWE is they need a straight man. Like everybody is just so full of it and spewing the corporate garbage that you just shut it off. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you you see a heel cheat and the next thing that you hear is, Oh, well, you know, at at least he got the win. Mm -hmm. No, I need my play by play. I need my narrator out there condemning the heel for cheating to begin with. Otherwise there's no heat. And that's the problem.
5: And on top of it, Cole and Graves are maybe the worst announcers team in wrestling because you said there's a whole lot of cheese with not a lot of meat. It's <laughs> it's, it's all sizzle Cincinnati and no chili. It's a constant, lot of cheese, not a lot of meat yeah, they're they're shout out to Rick next instead of what's happening now. Yeah. And that's that's their their biggest uh, failure. And 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 that is a product of what Vince McMahon wants. They're constantly hyping the next Snickers bar commercial or the next, you know, pay-per-view. They're not talking about what's actually happening in the ring. There's so many side elements to that. It just ruins WWE commentary. And quite frankly, I'm happy for Morrow that mm-hmm. he got out of there. Yeah. Because he's too good to be a part of their announced team. Yeah. yeah.
4: Uh, and by the way, I have Cincinnati chili here all the time, except here we call it pasta sauce with meat in it. The Say,
5: I thought it was called Skyline Chili, isn't that what it's called in Cincinnati? I, don't know. I call it disgusting, is what I
4: call it. I mean, yeah, uh, RBV
5: on, on verify that
2: I, I, I might have to go to Cincinnati just to try the
5: damn quote unquote chili. <laughs> Skyline Chili, I'm telling you, get RBV oh, on, man. he'll he'll it for me. <laughs> all I right, know. guys. Or I'm I'm a citizen. <laughs>
4: All right, guys. Before we get to our, our next topic, we're going to take a little bit of a break here, and uh, we're going to hear from our friends over at colorandelbowbrand.com.
3: Fall is in the air. That means pumpkin spice lattes. That means pumpkin spice everything. Ugg boots, yoga pants. God, I hope I can fit into mine this season. Scarves and baseball tees. Hoodie. Not yet, but soon. The metal team. No need for any cease and desist here. And hats. Stop by CollarAndElbowBrand.com today and get your fall drop immediately. It's fall, y'all. CollarAndElbowBrand.com You'll be the coolest person in Starbucks whether you're wearing yoga pants and Ugg boots or not. In fact, I like to go to Starbucks without the bottoms on all the time and just wear my collar and elbow brand type shirts. I immediately get my coffee and go.
7: Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis. With attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use
4: your head. All right, guys. Big Joe back here on Turnbuckle Talk. and hear from our friend, Mr. Al Snow over on uh, Brand.com. What do, you th- what do you think of that one, Jericho? I could see you uh, got a good reaction on that one.
2: Man, that commercial is something else. Right? Uh, I'll I mean, I, I tell you what, actually. <laughs> if you have not read Al Snow's book, Self-Help, mm-hmm go out and pick it up and just try to get into the head of al snow for a little while i've had the pleasure of sitting down and interviewing al snow and i can honestly say he is the most interesting man that i've talked to inside of the world of professional wrestling
4: absolutely i would agree 100 All right, guys on to our next topic here and this kind of ties into we were just kind of talking about you know it was pretty ring of honor focused there
2: al snow without pants at a starbucks (laughs)
4: <laughs> get that in. I mean,
5: going in there in this wrestling gear,
6: right?
4: Get that image out of your head.
5: And I will echo what Jargo said. You know, obviously, I've had a chance to get to know Al over the last few years, and you know, our, our buddy Michael Melkor works with him there in mm-hmm. Ohio Valley Wrestling. Again, I will absolutely back up what Jargo said. One of the most intriguing people to talk to about no. wrestling, not just wrestling, pop culture, music. I mean, he's one of those people that can hold court on many topics, and that's why I, I believe that he's so successful. He's been so successful for three decades now in the wrestling business. I, Al's just a – he's of a kind individual.
2: It takes Al Snow all of about 90 seconds to tell you what's wrong with professional wrestling in 2020. Yep.
5: What are the, the... Yeah, I didn't feel like this big. <laughs>
4: oh, oh, yeah. One of I the topics – one of the, his takes that I've always agreed on, too, is I remember – I can't remember it, – show or interview it was we was talking about the punch in professional wrestling where he says it's, yep. one, it's one of the fakest things that uh, they do in wrestling and I, I i pretty much share that exact opinion with him on that but that, uh, that's a uh, we can touch I it do,
2: but then i sit down and i watch tomohiro ishii and right. shingo takaki con- just beat the ever-loving crap out of one another and it's still fantastic
5: yeah well we'll get well, to man, when it comes to start- you know, talking about al snow oh yeah you know I, but that's a subject for another Oh, sure. well, for sure. We,
4: we could probably spend a whole episode talking about punching if we wanted to. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys. So uh, before the break here, we were to, uh, talking fair amount about our Ring of Honor, but I thought we'd kind of uh, focus in on it here and kind of talk about what's uh, kind of been going on with Ring of Honor recently. Because they've been, since COVID kind of, uh, I won't say winded down, but since shows have started kind of happening again, Ring of Honor has kind of flown below the radar, especially for myself. Um, unfortunately, I haven't caught a whole lot of uh, what's been going on with them uh you know going into last year i mean they, they were my favorite wrestling promotion of last year and i was watching them pretty religiously but uh since uh coming back it's really kind of flowing into the radar i know you still keep track with them Jerry what's kind of uh give us a bit of an update about what's going on with uh the boys over at ROH?
2: Well, on screen, the biggest things that are going on right now is the pure title tournament. We're yeah. down to the quarterfinals. It's going to be Jay Lethal versus Tracy Williams and then Jonathan Gresham <laughs> versus McLovin. I mean, Josh the Goods Woods. <laughs> um, Lethal and Williams really has me intrigued. Lethal and Williams, have never met in a singles match. They've been on opposite sides in a couple of tag matches, Lethal's team winning two and Williams' team winning once. Uh, Both of lethal's tournament wins via the lethal injection and Williams has used his allotted three rope breaks in both of his matches. So there, there could be a very interesting styles clash in that matchup. And then in the other match, we have a couple of guys who are very, very familiar with one another and Jonathan Gresham and Josh, the goods woods, but woods has never defeated Gresham Gresham three and O against woods in singles matches Gresham by comparison to Tracy Williams, has not used one rope break inside of the entire tournament. Woods, by comparison, has 10 takedowns, the most of any of the competitors inside of the tournament. Woods kind of relying on that MMA background. When they laid out this pure title tournament, people looked at the brackets and they just thought that it was a given that it was going to be Jay Lethal on one side, Jonathan Gresham on the other side, kind of the, you know, the tag team explodes for the pure title. But I don't think that that's necessarily the way that it has to go. I could see any four of these guys actually winning this tournament. In fact, I hope it's Josh Woods, because I think he fits into this context just perfectly.
4: Yeah. One thing with this conversation, uh, again, peel back the curtain a little bit, you know, Preparing for the show, we talked quite a bit um, on, a, on a message board here, kind of getting ready for this. And I, I think we were pretty much uh, in agreement here that uh, Ring of Honor was really one of these companies that was really hurt by COVID. You know, they, they were really kind of picking up some momentum again. And then this happened. And, I mean, they, they managed to keep a lot of their personal on board and continue to pay them, so props to them for that. But as opposed, when it comes to the actual wrestling product, I got to say, I think, I think that they've been kind of damaged and they've been hurt by this. I mean, they, they've... Uh, they, they kind of kept the audience around with a lot showing a lot of free content on YouTube, full matches and shows and whatnot. That stuff was fantastic. But um I do not say that I'm worried about them, but I'm hoping that they can kind of get back into kind of the headlines because like even when you look on the websites, not too many sites are even mentioning Ring of Honor, which is uh, kind of sad when I think about it.
2: Well, at least what I've heard, and maybe Ryan, because he runs in a couple of different circles than I have, I've heard mostly acclaim for the pure title tournament.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: No, I, I think the, the pure title tournament has gotten a lot of critics' reviews. I, I think Ring of Honor's biggest problem right now is that they're just, um, unfortunately, they lost a lot of high profile people a year or so ago. Yeah. And then on top of it, COVID doesn't help. But I've been critical of the fact that, that you know, they're owned by a company that owns basically a million TV stations. Why do they not have a primetime show? Why mm-hmm. do they not have? Some kind, I, I know that, and Jargo, you and I have talked about this privately that, you know, that's not really Sinclair's goal, but at the same time, in my, my mind, that's, that's a horrible situation for ring of honor, because just a few years ago, they looked to be on the cusp of being the clear cut number two challenger to WWE. And now it, it unfortunately they become somewhat of an afterthought for a lot of people, even in my position where I, you know, cover wrestling on a weekly basis I know that if I write a story about Ring of Honor, it's probably not going to get nearly as many mentions or nearly as many clicks, likes, shares, whatever you want to say, as something about WWE or AEW. And by all rights, Ring of Honor should be that company. They should have been the ones who are in this position. And I put a lot of that blame on Sinclair for not investing in the product and making them a priority in their TV schedule.
4: Well, with that, it really it really hinges on how Sinclair sees Ring of Honor, correct, Jargo?
2: Oh yeah, I mean clearly, yeah. uh, professional wrestling is not necessarily very high on the Sinclair broadcast group's list of things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody who knows anything about Sinclair, they're very, very heavily involved inside of the political media, and then it wasn't too awful long ago that they actually went and bought a bunch of the Fox Sports TV broadcast mm-hmm. networks. So that takes up a big chunk of the Sinclair resources. Yep. What Ring of Honor is there for? And I, I, I've i discussed this. It, it almost feels like ad nauseum, but I'll keep repeating it until people actually understand. Ring of Honor is there to fill syndicated programming for Sinclair broadcasts. It's cheap. Right now, as you look at the entire political spectrum and everything going on in the world of sports okay last week while i was at work we had a couple of world series games we had a football game that had been pushed off because of covid oh yeah there was a presidential debate and Hmm. needless to say what happens is programming gets slid and then you get this program is joined in progress at about 2 30 3 o'clock in the morning you know what show they're going to put on at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning? They're going to put on Ring of Honor. Yep. And that's you know, the problem that get in so, and, and, and this is the argument that I've had with so many people. People are like, well, then Sinclair should just sell Ring of Honor. Well, I've even no, said that, yeah. <laughs> because Ring of Honor is worth way more to Sinclair and not having to buy syndicate programming and being able to put Ring of Honor in that spot what ring of honor is worth to anybody else like if i only have one car my one car is worth more to me than you if you have three cars because i need that car to fill this job for me and that's
6: what ring of honor is
5: but that's an argument about emotional investment and for a wrestling fan their emotional investment is seeing ring of honor do as well as they possibly can where sinclair's side of it is it's strictly a business decision well as you said they are a time filler for Mm -hmm. many of their dedicated stations all over the country but from an emotional standpoint that does nothing for a wrestling fan and that that's my point of all of it is i don't care how much money sinclair broadcasting has i don't care that they own ring of honor what are they doing to make the wrestling business better and the answer is little to nothing
4: is there any, any way that they can kind of have it both ways where maybe they could have, maybe it means having two shows. Maybe for that syndicated side of things, you could have like best of programming or like highlights and then maybe have that, that main show uh, that, that makes it to the prime time. Is, it, is there any way that maybe they can make something like that work?
2: I'm going to say yes, but we'll continue this conversation mm. when we get to the showstopper segment, yes. mm-hmm. because that absolutely plays in to the entire case I'm going to make of I why agree. that would be an awful idea. Okay. Well, well, I, and I
5: would argue I'll counter that before we get to that segment of, of saying that if ring of honor had one show, whether it was in syndication or live, it could be a tape show, but if in every single market, that Sinclair owns quote unquote owns um, that you knew that, Hey, Friday night at 10 o'clock, I get to watch Ring of Honor. Saturday morning at 11 a.m., I get to watch Ring of Honor. Their biggest problem is the fact that they're in different time slots in different markets all over the country. It doesn't have to be a live show, but they definitely need something more uniform for ROH fans to be able to, hey, you know, Wednesday night is AEW night for AEW fans. Monday is, you know, Raw night for WWE fans. Ring of Honor doesn't have a scheduled time. They don't have a time slot of their own they don't have a day of their own and that's one of the reasons why they don't have much of an identity right now
2: the problem is they do the problem is the marketing of the fact that they do because you can go to rohwrestling.com every monday and the new episode gets uploaded to rohwrestling.com there is a specific day and a specific time when the episode goes to fight tv yeah Like that that is established. The problem is the marketing of because no local television station is gonna say, Don't watch our programming, go watch it on the internet. That's and that's my circular firing squad that just there's no marketing to ROH, Mm -hmm. other than the marketing ROH does, which is not very much because their budget is so small.
5: Yeah. And that's yeah. my, my biggest is I, I, again, I obviously, you know, if you want to stream something online, you can get it immediately, you know, but yeah. mine is more of the local markets. There are still a lot of people who depend on quote unquote appointment television. Yeah. And I can tell right now in Southern Illinois, ring of honor plays on three different channels at three different times over the weekend.
2: I, I had this conversation with Joe Koff himself hmm. before SmackDown debuted on Fox that every Fox affiliate that Sinclair Broadcasting owns should be airing Ring of Honor between six and seven o'clock. I'd
5: agree with that. Yeah.
2: Going or, or, you know, seven and eight o'clock, I guess it would be on the East Coast. The hour before SmackDown, because they're still in local programming at that point. Yep. Yep. And it went nowhere. Smart move, Smart
5: move actually.
4: And for, for myself up here in the great right north of Canada here, I mean, IPVR I uh, uh, Ring of Honor, you know, I can't really watch it You know, right when it airs. But the trend that's been kind of happening lately is, like you mentioned, Jargo, it kind of comes in partway through, you know, now back to regular scheduled programming. Well, meanwhile, half of the show didn't get a chance to see or a lot of times just it doesn't even come on something. They just put on something else in its place. And then I go, Oh, okay. Delete the recording, you know? So it's uh, a little disappointing the, the, the way that it's kind of being done up here. Uh, I'm sure that that's likely happening down that way as well. And then like we mentioned, you know, we got to find some other way to watch it. ROHwrestling.com. Yep. If
2: you want to watch Ring of Honor, that is the most reliable place to watch yep. Ring of Honor would every Monday.
4: I would agree 100%. All right, guys, let us move on to some breaking news. So this is a, a topic that I haven't really we haven't really touched on on Turnpicle Talk. I don't think Carl and I ever really kind of ventured down here. But uh, this kind of came up just kind of as we're recording. I kind of uh, watched the sheets and kind of see what's kind of going on. And I, I think I'll kind of bring this up here. And this has to do with wrestlers and social media. The, this issue is kind of seemingly coming up again. And this headline here is uh, Daniel Bryan deletes political tweet. Uh, essentially, uh, the, the tweet that he put out here, uh, I am the best. Least racist person in this room literally made me laugh out loud in my hotel room by myself. Hashtag debates 2020. And then he proceeded to then delete the tweet. Um, This issue with social media and wrestlers is kind of becoming a problem again here, guys. I think that I don't know how to, to kind of do this because it compromises the actual wrestling character at some point and uh this is where it becomes an issue for myself just it uh it just ruins the illusion that if there was any left even at this point
2: you want to take this ryan
5: yeah i'll take it um well i i think first of all uh, the the tweeting i think most wrestlers at this point should probably know that before they hit the send button they need to reread what they've typed out i would agree with daniel bryan that when you address someone who is black who's a moderator who's black and says I'm the least racist person in this room. Maybe that might've been a silly comment, Mm -hmm. but at the same time that doesn't necessarily mean I or Daniel Bryan or anyone else should feel the need to comment on it. I think we've all gotten in trouble in the past with our moral, political, ethical things that we posted on social media. I I know I can speak for myself that I've said some dumb stuff on social media, but when you're someone at that level, when you're someone who is at that, not only that level of fame, but that level of equity, that level of money. Um, You know, you just kind of, I don't know. I think sometimes people get drunk or caught up in the moment or whatever, (laughs) and they just fire off a tweet. And then a few minutes later, they reread it and realize, oh man, that was probably a bad idea. I'm not in a situation where I'm that famous that I have to worry about it. But I I think if I was famous, I would definitely be very careful of what I sent out on social media.
4: See, and I've heard the argument to to handle the situation as well. You you have them have two separate accounts. You'd be like, okay, you know, here's Brian Danielson's uh, Twitter account, and here's Daniel Bryan's Twitter account. The problem is that everybody knows that that, that's him anyways. So, you know, using that, uh, there can – doesn't really seem to work. It's just like it's the type of thing where, I mean, you can't just tell them to to not post on social media. I mean, uh, I I don't know. Yes, you can. Yeah?
5: Yes, you can. Okay yeah i mean that's true and and i'm gonna throw it over to jargo but at the end of the day i mean let's face it it's it's like that old saying don't bring up on social media what you wouldn't bring up at the dinner table yeah which is religion death and politics Mm. you know and money that's the other thing you know and and it's like that's kind of become the thing with social media if you're famous you have to watch what kind of waters you wade into and that's unfortunate you know unless you're willing to go all in And and go all out like celebrities like Alyssa Milano or or you know some of these (laughs) people that have been really radically. Oh boy! Yeah, Yeah. if you're willing to put your career on the line for what you believe in, then that's great. But I I don't think a lot of pro wrestlers are in that position these days. Jargo, what do you think? I think you're
2: close, Joe. Yeah, I think you're close. The having two different Twitter account things, right? But if you really want the solution to this,
4: I think I remember real easy. I re- I remember you said this to me before. I-, I think I know what you're gonna say.
5: I don't think I've heard this, so I'm I'm waiting with bated breath. Can, can I take a guess? Go for it. Roll credits. Roll credits. Yes. That's it.
2: Yep. You have to separate the artist from the art. Yep. Daniel Bryan does not say one thing that is not written by WWE creative. Brian Danielson can go out and shoot off your mouth about your political opinions all you want. But the intellectual property, Daniel Bryan, yep. does not say one word that is not written by WWE Creative. So if you want to separate that, it's real easy. Roll credits. Yep. Oh, but as soon as you roll credits, then you know what happens? Then they're forced to join the Screen Actors Guild. And then they unionize. And then Andrew Yang beats down Vince McMahon's door and says, we're changing this and we're changing it now. Oh, you don't want that?
4: (laughs) Right. There we are in pro wrestling.
5: And by the way, you can you can check out Michael Jargo's ghost account on Twitter. one. Right. Yeah. A lot of people don't know about it. it's secret. It's very secret. You know, it
4: sounds like the, the, the cast of Stomp. Is that right? <laughs> that was...
5: Yeah, I, I'm listening. To my neighbor's apparently hand. I'm about to <laughs> cut hey, it up over there.
4: <laughs> yeah, I would agree you know, to, to make that distinction between, you know, the, the person and the character, I, I think is something that could definitely work. But um, you know, time will tell. I think at some point we have to kind of get the social media kind of aspect under control because it's. Uh,
2: well, it's it's which way do you want it? Because yeah. you can't have it both ways. Clearly, yeah. having it both ways does not work. Yeah,
4: is my favorite uh, exchange, and you had brought this one up before. Derek was the interaction between Seth Rollins and Will Osprey, and then so then you had the what resulted there. You have Seth Rollins, who is you know in uh, the WWE the biggest company, gets schooled by somebody who's uh, perceived as somebody lower than him, right? So it, just, it, it resulted in kind of a bad look for uh, a guy working for the top company.
2: Yeah, and it was kind of the beginning of the South Rowland's heel turn.
4: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, guys, let us go on to our next segment here. And uh, ooh, match of the week. Here we go. All right, guys, match of the week segment here. I'm gonna let our guests go first, Mr. Ryan K. Bowman. What was your favorite match from this past week in professional wrestling?
5: My favorite match has yet to happen. Mm. <laughs> it will be tonight at Hell in a Cell okay. to see whatever comes out of Bailey and Sasha. Interesting. And and i I hate to throw it out there like that, and I know Jargo's gonna kill me for, for saying that, but this to me, and, and actually my one of my broadcast partners, Denise Salcedo said she would love to see this you'd go all the way through to wrestlemania Wow and, and continued on maybe sasha wins maybe bailey wins and that kind of struck me so yeah actually to be honest with you i'm looking forward to that match tonight
4: There you go. that's
5: that's my match of the week which hasn't happened yet
4: yeah go. good choice uh what about you jargo what was your favorite match from this past week
5: well number one
2: i i don't blame you um <laughs> sasha versus bailey at take over Brooklyn was still the and greatest match in NXT history fantastic. so I, looking forward to that match I'm not going to fault you at all the, the problem that I have with the WWE at this point is more the company the booking and the creative you can have two talents go out there and have an incredible match and then they'll do like a stupid distraction finish like 75% of the time and it mm-hmm. just makes me want to beat my head against the wall. <laughs> my match of the week goes back to the G1 Climax Final, and I'm not talking about the G1 Climax Final. I'm talking about the tag match that happened prior to it. Mm. Show and Kazuchika Okada taking on Will Ospreay in the Great Okan. And nice. this is the first time that we would get to see Will Ospreay work as a heel. Nice. And I thought it was very, very interesting because all of the uh, quote, unquote, dot, 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 dive flippity stuff, <laughs> that's all been replaced by punching you in the face. Nice. So I like Will Ospreay heel style.
5: Nice. Me too. I want to apologize to you guys that the super smash brothers have apparently moved in. next door to me. Uh, I know you can hear that because I'm literally like listening outside of my office. Like what the hell is going on over here? Be careful. The oh, super man.
2: smash brothers become the dark order and you do not want the dark right. order living next door to you. Sure. Absolutely. It could be Harper
5: and Rowan. Yeah.
3: You
2: know, Let them in, Ryan. Let them
4: in. All right. My Match of the Week is also coming from New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's actually coming from uh, the 23rd, uh, the the Road to Power Struggle show. Uh, Normally, I'm not a fan of six-man tag matches, but uh, this one is definitely an exception here. We are talking uh, Suzuki, El Desperado, and Kanemaru versus Hiromu, Shingo, and Bushi. Uh, For me, the winning element here is when you have Suzuki... Hiromu and Shingo in a ring together. Uh, You are going to be in the running for a match of the week for myself. I mean, this is a good way to do a six-man tag match. You know, it's not just the WWE style where we have two people in the ring and everybody else taking a rest. I mean, they, they they make use of all six guys throughout the entire match. And just watching Shingo and Suzuki beat the crap out of each other, dude, I could watch that for the next 20 years and be highly entertained every single time.
2: For me, that was actually the most disappointing match of the week.
6: Wow!
4: Because because
2: <laughs> as it works out, what's going to happen is Hiromu Takahashi and Bushi are going to challenge for the Junior Tag Team titles. Nice. and that that's what we're doing leading up to the Tokyo Doom with Hiromu Takahashi Junior Tag Team titles. Really?
4: Well, we'll see. What, um, I thoroughly enjoyed that match, and especially watching Minoru Suzuki, Suzuki work. It just fantastic. Ha uh,
2: ha ha ha! ha. Suzuki.
4: I freaking love that guy. seen anybody laugh while getting the piss beat out of them. Just It's uh, it's creepy and it's entertaining and uh, I get a kick out of it every single time. Alright guys, let's take another brief break here and let's hear from our friends over at Ohio Valley Wrestling.
7: Hi, my name's Barry Ratcliffe. You might recognize me from such films as The Longest Ride or Ted 2. Now, as a successful actor, I have two planes, a supermodel wife, countless exotic cars, and a ton of cash. You might think, couldn't get any better than this, but... You'd be wrong for only $4.99. You can get Network.com. That's Network.com for only 4 dollars Now, will your life be as good as this? No! Will it be better? Yes, and I guarantee that. That's not valid anywhere. OVWWWrestlingNetwork.com is only 4 dollars Tomorrow's yesterday is today. Prices so low, they're insane! What more pain paying for your butt? Well, oh, so do I. At ovwwrestlingnetwork.com it's only four ninety nine a month. In between excitement, me too. ovwrestlingnetwork.com is only four ninety nine a month. You get that incredible value. She cost me seventeen million dollars, and I loved it. Want a real value? ovwwrestlingnetwork.com It's only four ninety nine. That's a price so low. Well, it's insane. <laughs>
6: All right,
4: there we go, guys. A little f- word from our friends over at OVW. I absolutely love that commercial. I mean, for five bucks I, a month. Al Snow, I'm telling you, read that book. Yeah, fantastic. And I mean, for five bucks a month, uh, all the content that they're putting out, I, I-, I thoroughly enjoy uh, OVW. And I've been watching it on a weekly basis some uh, excellent stuff there happening. All right, guys, let's get to our final segment for the week, our showstopper segment. All right, so we've been kind of hinting at this segment uh, throughout the entire episode here. We're talking about um, wrestling companies and how they kind of get affected by their parent companies and whether it's kind of a a good thing or if it's a detriment here. I'm going to throw up the the graphic here uh, with the Sinclair Broadcasting Group and Ring of Honor here. Um, I'm going to pass this one off to you here, Ryan, first. And uh, how do you... What's, what's your take on uh, these wrestling companies kind of being run by these big conglomerates? Um, is it something that's, uh, that's kind of good or can it kind of be a detriment in the, the big scope of things here?
5: I'll try to speak over the carpentry that's going on next door to my house, but no worries. Um, honestly, no worries. I, I think that it's, um I think that it's honestly, it it's a it can be one way or the other. If a company that's flushed with billions of dollars wants to really pump that into a wrestling company, then it's a good thing. I think AEW's situation right now is fantastic for them because they have a billionaire owner who is enthusiastic about the product, but that's the double-edged sword of the whole thing is that, you know, you can find yourself in a situation which, and I'm not going to, I can't quote on Ring of Honor's situation nearly like Jargo can, because I know that he's had conversations with Joe and, yeah. and, and, and Joe Cobb and that he knows kind of more of the inner workings. So I will pull that back and kind of go from my perspective of having dealt with impact. And as much as I think that Anthem has been a blessing for that company in a lot of ways, I also feel like that, you know, impacts become a time filler for them on a network that they purchased mm. as part of a package of something they're trying to present. And in a lot of ways, I think that some of these big conglomerates buy wrestling companies as a a loss leader for them where it's basically a write-off and that's not while it may be positive for them and it may keep those wrestling companies alive. At the end of the day, it's a negative for wrestling fans who are looking for a better product.
4: What's your take on this whole deal, Drew?
5: It it really depends on which
2: perspective you want to look at it from Um, inside of the world of business. It makes complete sense to me why a company like Anthem or Sinclair Broadcasting would want to invest into a property like uh, uh, Impact Wrestling or a Ring of Honor. It makes complete sense to me. I do understand for the wrestling fan, it sucks. But there's also this thing in the United States called minor league baseball. In Mm -hmm. fact, I'm wearing a Louisville Bats hat right now. (laughs) love it i'm pro anything louisville people are fans of minor league baseball because it's local and because these guys have that passion they're going out there and they're playing the game the right way because they want to make it to that big money there's nothing wrong with minor league baseball and unfortunately i feel like impact wrestling and ring of honor are minor league wrestling. It's where you can watch the stars of tomorrow today, Mm -hmm. but don't expect the promotion to make it to that level, because that is not the intention, the business model of said promotion.
5: I mean, I would throw in there that I've always used the term, and this is a college basketball term, but I've always used terms like mid-major. That's what I, I feel like impact is right now, what MLW is what ring of honor is while you have your big two in WWE and AEW, the mid majors, the, um, I guess, for lack of a better term, if you're going to use an NCAA tournament analogy, they're not Duke, they're Oklahoma state. You know, they're, they're that team that's sort of in the middle. They're an eight seed. They're not a number one seed. And that's kind of the way that I view those companies. And there's nothing wrong with that. I totally agree with what Jargo said. You have to have promotions like that in order to fuel the, the next level of star power but at the same time, it's disappointing as a fan. Is it
2: though? Is it? Because how many wrestling fans do you know that were like when Daniel Bryan blew up in the WWE? How many times did you hear? Oh, but you should have saw him when he was in Ring of Honor as the American Dragon Bryan Danielson. You need to go back and watch Bryan Danielson versus Nigel McGinnis. Not
4: too many.
5: Well, and I think it's well. But I But mean, there I, are I'm those people out, out there, out, and that, that is their in, niche, in
4: yep.
5: right? But I mean, it's like it's the same thing as when a band gets popular, and someone says, "Oh, but you should have heard their early stuff." Yeah, it, absolutely. It's in the same way, you know. There's it's, a it's, strange
2: satisfaction it's, in that.
5: Yeah, right. It's a tomato tomato type of argument, but at the same time, if you are a fan of Impact and or you are a fan of Ring of Honor, you also kind of get tired of defending them for being kind of the poor sick cousin. Yeah. WWE, so you know but if I'm you're also, a supporter I'm of that, also, policy, you want to see them do as well as, as they possibly can.
2: But I, I, I also feel like you know, as a fan of the, the the Cedar Rapids Colonels, the local baseball team, this year it might be really, really good. And then they're going to lose a whole bunch of talent that is going to move up in the system, and then they get the next crop in, and they might stink.
5: Right, and yep. it's it, and it, on that same argument, when you talk about a team in Cedar Rapids or a minor league team in Louisville, you know that that team's never going to play for the World Series exactly. because they're not a major league team. At the same time, it doesn't dispel the passion that you have for that particular team. So, you know, again, it's a tomato-tomato situation. I used that expression earlier where, yeah, you'd love to see everybody have a primetime show on a major cable network five days or six days a week. Um, but in reality, you know, there's a pecking order. In pro wrestling and and companies that are quote-unquote mid-majors are mid-majors for a reason they're not part of the highest part of the pecking order
2: now i will say in ring of honors case had the deal went through when sinclair broadcast group was trying to buy the tribune network Mm. if sinclair would have gotten their hands on wgn Mm -hmm. then we might be having a different conversation
5: yeah WG in no. America is like the most untapped you know jewel out there yeah. for a pro wrestling company that wants to go primetime.
2: Had that, that deal happened. happened. Yeah.
4: Yeah. You you made the the comparison uh, uh in sports or jargon. I agree especially you know with uh you know collegiate football versus professional football. Uh when you when you watch especially some of the the top teams in the country uh, down in the United states. I mean, you see th- these these kids playing at a very, very high level because, like you had mentioned, you know they're making that push to to get to the professional level, and then seemingly when they get to the professional level, you make the argument that they kind of coast through their professional career, and then you know, when, but when it comes to uh, turning it back over to, to wrestling here, I, I think that with some of these um, wrestling companies like uh, Ring of Honor, like the the impact, I think fans particularly need to kind of just keep their expectations kind of in check, you know, and realize that, like we had said, you know these guys are essentially the minor leagues, you know, the, the business model, exactly right. And it doesn't make the necessarily make the, the wrestling any better or worse. It's just, it's at a different, a different level. So I think our expectations, I think we kind of need to keep those in check. And, and, uh, and that's about really all I can kind of say to it, you know, and, and just constantly trying to compare all these other companies to WWE. I, I think it, it's just, it's, an it's, it's, it's futile. Essentially, yeah, I, mean, I, mean, we,
5: I, would, I would go with what Jargo said. Yeah. The minor league baseball comparison is awesome mm-hmm. because there are yep. different levels of minor leagues. Yep. You know, you have your A-ball, double A-ball, triple A-ball. Well, triple A-ball is Ring of Honor. A-ball yep. is maybe that show you see at, at the National Guard Armory on your Friday night where there's 50 people there. But yep. there are different levels to it all. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that's a great analogy. I think that's a, good, a really good comparison.
4: Yep. I mean, I could have just as much fun you know, sitting or like going to WrestleMania as opposed to going to the local armory or to, to the local gymnasium and watching the local promotion. I can have the same enjoyment. It's just a, it's it just the, the enjoyment's different. It's a different situation. You know, the the, the local promotion, it, it's like you with say approximately hundred of your best friends who also like wrestling. And then when you go to a big let's say if you go to WrestleMania, it's just it's that kinda blown up. And uh, just, it, it's different. And I, and I think that, again, just to kind of make this point again, I think people need to just stop comparing every other company to WWE. Like, oh, geez, you know, I, I wish that you know, Ring of Honor could overtake or AEW could overtake the WWE. It's just not going to happen, guys. Uh, mm-hmm. Just uh, I think you just need to well, just kind of enjoy these products for what they are and uh, just leave it at that.
7: You
2: bring up AEW. Yeah. And to me, of all the companies, AEW finds themselves in the most precarious of positions because they find themselves very much in the same situation that WCW was in come about, you know, yep. 2001. And what I mean <laughs> when I say that, while they are owned by the cons yep. rather than Time Warner, what really did WCW in was when they added Thunder. Yep. When Time Warner decided to add Thunder and they weren't given any more revenue and all of the production for Thunder came out of the original budget from what they were being paid for Nitro and suddenly it just basically slashed all of their profits into absolutely nothing and the company goes out of business a couple of years later. Yep. Yeah. Now AEW is adding Dark on the TBS. Yeah. Who in the hell thinks this is a good
4: idea? I'm like sure. we, we
2: literally saw yeah. how this movie ends.
4: Yep. Yeah. My my larger concern uh, just, just briefly on on ADO, my larger concern is that there seemingly becoming what they said that they weren't going to be they said you know we were going to be this more kind of sports presentation like professional wrestling but it's like they become the junior wwe we're 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 getting some weird kind of creative stuff kind of going on and and that's my concern is that they're becoming what they said that they weren't going to be at that initial all-in show
2: my thing with aew is i am writing off everything since march Mm mm-hmm I basically quit watching. I watched All In or All Out, whatever the hell it was called, and I thought it was an atrocious show. And you're right. It's very sports entertainment heavy. But it wasn't that way before the pandemic. No, it wasn't. And then the pandemic started limiting their roster, and it started limiting the fans. And So I'm just writing everything off. And and if or when fans return to AEW, maybe they can get back to that sports-like presentation. I hope so. But the sports like presentation inside of the COVID world, unless you're doing things the way ROH is doing, it, it just it it's not pro wrestling.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: Well, at the same time, I will counter by saying that you know when AEW did this bit with Jericho and MJF this week mm. where they were doing the song and dance, the show tunes yeah. thing, which I also wrote about at Sports Kita. But at the same time, you know, SmackDown on Friday night, they had a, a bit where Otis is in a courtroom, you know, with The Miz fighting over the money in the bank briefcase, and JBL is the the judge. Isn't that stuff just as silly oh, as yeah. the thing that oh, AEW yeah. is doing? So, Absolutely. I mean, in some ways, it's almost like because AEW came out and did this BS where they said, oh, we're going to be a more sports oriented program. Now it's almost like we hold them to a higher standard. And at the end of the day, every wrestling show is going to do silly shit like well, that. Sure. Let's just face it. It's the, it's the yeah. nature of the beast. Now it's the way it's the environment of the wrestling industry. Now they have to find things to fill time, uh, whether it's by COVID or, or by hook or by crook, whatever comes of it. But at the end of the day, I mean that this silly stuff, these vignettes and the backstage skits and things like that, they're not going anywhere. No. I, and it doesn't matter if it's AEW or WWE, that's not going to change. Even when COVID is over, that's not going to change.
4: I will say with a I did enjoy that debate that they had with uh, Jericho, Orange Cassidy, with uh, Mr. Bischoff kind of uh, moderating there. I I thoroughly enjoyed that. Basically, them playing Cassidy off as kind of the silent guy and then kind of basically coming off more intelligent than Jericho. I thought that that was really cool, the way that they they kind of played on that. I had mentioned that before, that uh, I'm not always a fan of, uh, of that style of segment, but I thought that they pulled that off rather well.
5: Yeah, yeah not my. Believe that I can go. I can go for it if it's done. Yeah, right. If it's done correctly, then yeah, I can handle it.
2: If you are like me and you want pro wrestling presented with a true sports-like presentation, go ahead and head over to NJPWWorld.com yes. and we'll get you all set up.
4: Absolutely. <laughs> and I, that's where my I mean, match of the weekend. We have
2: from. Yano for that, but yep. even Yano is still presented inside of a sports-like presentation. It's not that you can't have a moment of levity, but yeah. all these backstage segments and shit.
5: Nope. Yep. No, yeah, I, no, I, I mean, I, I could do without them, but at the same time, as a, as someone who is an old guy that's trying to evolve, I've kind of come to the realization that there's nothing I can do about it. So I can either turn the channel <laughs> or just grin and yeah. bear it, you know what yeah. I mean?
2: Well, and and that's the thing that always kills me is people are like, well, if you don't like it, then don't watch it. And it's like, okay, well, th- that's cool. <laughs> but you realize that like 90% of the people that used to watch professional wrestling have already done that.
6: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Like, th- oh. And that's the problem.
5: <laughs> that is the problem.
4: All right, guys. Well, let's uh, get ready to wrap things up for this week here. But before we go, I'll kind of go around the table here. Uh, Mr. Jargo, what do you have coming up on Destino this week? Nothing? Nothing. Nothing, nothing,
2: nothing, nothing, nothing. We are done with the G1 Climax. Finally, congratulations. The golden era is upon us. Kota Ibushi is on his way to become a god. But thankfully, after 19 shows in the span of about 30 days, There is nothing going on in new Japan pro wrestling right now that you really need to know about. We've got nothing going on until November 7th. Wow. So right now I am kicking my feet up. I'm doing a couple of guest spots here and there. And uh, that's about it as uh, we, we get ready for power struggle and power struggle is a huge stack show. Stardom is in the middle of their world tag league and, uh, you may have heard that you know the Hitting the Marks podcast is getting ready for a comeback. We're planning planning Yay. a big election day episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm looking, forward, yeah. To looking forward to that.
4: Looking forward to that. November
2: third. That's that's kind of the target date, depending on how things go this week with everything with Huckleberry. So uh, we'll be back yeah. in your ear holes, polluting with all kinds of things. We're just going to take everything from the world of pop culture. And have at it, and you know we're going to launch on election day. So
6: what could
2: possibly be on the subject? What could possibly go wrong?
4: I, I'm absolutely looking forward to that. I can't wait for, uh, for that to come out, uh, Mr. Ryan K. Bowman. What have you been up to over at sports Keto these days?
5: Uh, other than my phone ringing at in- <laughs> inopportune times and my neighbors banging on their house, um, I'll be uh, I'll be at Keto this week covering the NFL and pro wrestling. I'll be back with the Power of the Pin column tomorrow um i you can reach me on facebook at ryan k i mean ryan k bowman on twitter at ryan k bowman and in the meantime i will be sitting here probably counting the seconds until i get a chance to hear another version of the hitting the marks podcast
4: me too me too and i think everybody else is as well I gotta
2: figure out how to incorporate the gorilla roar back into the open without the gorilla position being a thing. Hmm. So I'm I, I'm 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 kind of playing with the format because you, you gotta have the iconic roar, man. Yeah. Like that's yeah, gotta I, be there.
5: Yeah, the roar has to be there. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, obviously, we don't own the gorilla. Uh, none of us are part of the gorilla position anymore. You know, it's kind of a. It was. I honestly feel like at this point we graduated to another level. Yep. Now that we've all the the website, but yeah, I, I do. I always love the roar and I love to hear Ben Hamin's intro to the show as well. When he's chanting in some kind of language, I don't understand.
2: <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's going to be very much the same and yet very different all at the same time.
4: I still have the uh, girl, girl position logo brother. right behind me here every week. So, all right. Well, Speaking of uh, iconic intros, there's you have an iconic uh, outro um, that you've always done, Jargo. I'm gonna let you send us off this week.
6: All right.
2: Well, with that, I guess we're off like a prom dress. See ya.
3: It's me. It's me. It's an R to B to B. As you can tell in the background, we are out celebrating. That is what we do here and hitting the bars that Not like everyone to continue to tune in to Turbo Talk, but check out all of our other shows here. You can find that all at hittingthebucks.com.
6: Run.